It's the end of January, and you know what that means. Major League Soccer teams are returning to training camp this week. But the real question is, will we have a season at all? This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me is Ivis Gularsep. What's up, man? Nothing much, Garrett. Just over here in Jersey, bracing for a mega storm. The latest uh, so-called snowmageddon. We're apparently going to get hit with one or two feet of snow on Monday. Yeah, what's up with this, man? I feel like, uh, is it always this, like have these like huge storms coming in the east it seems very frequent lately ah we haven't had much snow at all really? i mean we we're always getting threatened with snow but then it like i feel like more often than not lately uh we haven't been hit by snow but you know whatever it happens every every other year you know there, there's always you know some bad winters some good winters we're used to it i mean everyone here everyone here deals with it you deal with the snow the icy conditions you know if, you, if you're from the northeast you should yeah. know how to drive in the snow sounds horrible it, it is what it is. We 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 you know we we live with it. Unlike you know you people in cushy cushy Arizona. We yeah, I was under seventy two. I was working on my tan today. I, mean, I don't got time to think about how cold you guys are. You probably had a sweater on at seventy two. Let's be honest. Uh, I yeah, I left the house with sweats and uh, and a shirt and a hoodie. Then it was a little too warm, so then I I went back and got some shorts <laughs> and a t shirt. What are you gonna were you gonna rob somebody? What was that? No, I, that? I went I went to the movie theaters and I wanted to be I wanted to be comfy. Oh yeah, what kind of theater was this? Did you have to wear a hoodie and sweats? Huh? Uh, I don't know. I just want, I wanted to be comfy in the movie theater. You know, I don't want to wear like you know jeans or anything tight. You know, you want you want to enjoy yourself, Ivis. <laughs> what kind of movie theaters are you going to, buddy? Uh, the the, the one next to my house in the questionable part of town. Oh, uh, uh, we I want to ask you what you saw. <laughs> uh, really? I'm, I'm trying to see all the Oscar movies. That's the goal this year. I'm trying to see them all. The nominees? Yeah, all the nominees, all the nominees. But we, I was speaking BS about that at the end of the show. Uh, jam packed. Lots of things that we need to talk about on today's show. But the most important thing, Ivis, is just like that. The off season is done. Major League Soccer teams are returning back to training camp. Some teams started started on Sunday. Some teams will start later this week. But at the end of this week, Ivis, every single Major League Soccer team is going to be back at it, preparing for the 2015 season. Yep, there you go. The offseason has officially disappeared. Uh, you know, it happened. It gets shorter and shorter every, uh, every offseason. So, but it, it's kind of great to it's great to be that much closer to the start of the season. But as you said, <laughs> the real question is, are we, are we going to start the season on time? I already booked my flight to Orlando for the first game of the season. <laughs> and I might just be hanging out in Disney World. I don't know. There might not be a game. If you listen to these players talk about about all, all, you know, you're hearing the word strike quite a bit now. And uh, I think it's pretty interesting now that uh, they're starting to get that buzz generated about the, the, the collective bargaining agreement negotiations. Mm-hmm. And players are letting it be known that they're not happy and that they're planning to fight for what they want. And I don't know. I don't know how serious it all is. I'm sure everyone wants to, you know, what what percentage? Take full advantage of things, what but, percentage do you give? Both sides still have over a month to come to an agreement. Right. I mean, well, that's the thing. Right now, it's all talk. Right now, exactly. it's January. It's not going to get to the nitty gritty till led till mid to late February. The, and I know some people. A lot of people are looking at it and saying, "Uh oh, it's different this time. <laughs> Players are, are are united and they're they're letting their voices be heard." And listen, for me, the only difference between now. In the in the last CBA uh, negotiations, is the is, there's two things that are different. One, the amount of media that covers this sport. Two, social media. 
And with both of those things, it amplifies everything. It amplifies the coverage. It amplifies anything said about it because you have, you know, whereas in 2010 you had a handful of sites that maybe covered soccer. Now you've got 20, 30. Everybody, this stuff gets magnified. And, and, and you are getting players trying to get their message out. We we are ready to strike. And, uh-huh. and I'm not saying they're lying. I'm not saying they're not going to strike. But I just think people are, are, are getting a little excited about what at this point are just words and i do think the union is probably more unified than it was five years ago uh-huh. let's face it five years ago they pretty much got steamrolled um I, I wouldn't say they got a great deal in the last go around they should do better this time around but anyone thinking that the players union the players are going to get all of these concessions that they're going to get free agency they're going to get higher minimum salaries that they that MLS is just going to lay down and give them everything because they they throw around the strike word. That, that, that's not reality. That no. just isn't. And maybe I'm a cynic because I've been around. I've seen it a few times now. I, I'm not buying it completely. I just think people need to take it easy. Uh, we'll, we'll, let's talk second, third week of February uh-huh. when when the pressure really starts to mount. We'll see how unified the the, the the union is. We'll see how unified the owners are when it gets down to the nitty gritty. I think there'll be some concessions made, but. Anyone expecting full-blown free agency, <laughs> or anyone expecting, you know, uh, minimum salary to go up to hundred thousand or whatever, you know, any, anything kind of extreme like that, it's it, it'd be great if these things happen, but I just don't see it happening. And I, was, I mean, it obviously goes without saying that this would be bad for both both parties, but I mean, the question is, I mean, how much ground do the players, you know, how, how much weight do they have behind it? I mean, they they know what they don't know. I mean, they see these huge numbers for the TV contracts, for the sponsorship deals, for for the T-shirt sponsors. And, and they understand that, but obviously, you know, at the same time, you know, Major League Soccer keeps pleading that doesn't make money. I mean, how much weight do the players have going into this to kind of get as many concessions as they want? Well, that's the interesting part, right? It, so, something's up here. Either the league's making a, a lot of money or a decent amount of money, or you believe the owners where they say they're they're still losing money. And uh, I'm kind of on the player side in the sense that I don't know if I still buy the the, the the poor poor league thing right I mean I think the league at this point when you talk about Soccer United marketing mm-hmm. and, and the TV deals the expansion fees do I think you have owners who have lost a lot of money and haven't made back the money that they've lost sure I'm sure there's owners in that situation but if you want to talk about the league as it stands right this minute does it is it bleeding money is it bleeding revenue I don't know if I go with that I mean I I will say this um teams aren't rich teams aren't getting rich across the league because you know when you look at uh just look at take it market by market it's not like you have 20 teams that are selling out uh selling out their stadiums mm-hmm. uh, that, that that have lucrative tv deals uh and those kind of things so I, I, there's some middle ground there's so i don't think they're getting rich and I, but at the same time i don't think they're flat broke like you're trying to say i think there's somewhere mm-hmm. in the middle and I think that's enough to get the players some more money. And I, I do agree. I think the minimum salary should go up. Um, but f- uh, and I, for me, I would love to see free agency. But yeah. I think the do I think the league is going to just give that up? I just don't see it. Well, I guess that goes into the fact, Ivis, that the league eventually needs to take off the training wheels. I mean, we're getting to the point where we keep talking about this. So the league is, you know, it's it's passing its teenage years and it's starting to form into its own. It's. It's, it's something like this. I mean, you, you kind of would hope that the league would kind of sit there and say, okay, hey, maybe it's time for us to give some power back to some of the teams and some of the players. It would be a nice gesture that the league is continuing to move forward. Well, those are, those are two different things now. We, 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 uh, free agency doesn't necessarily mean the same as 
play, uh, teams having autonomy in their moves and, 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 and getting doing away with single entity. When it comes to player movement, um, I, I think uh, the, the idea of full-blown free agency, you know, that's what we're used to in, in other sports, right? We're used yeah. to the, you know, when your contract runs out or, or even in soccer in the rest of the world. Your, so- your contract runs out, you can go wherever you want. Obviously, MLS is set up differently. The, 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 where I think the players' argument, the, the argument that they make, I think is a little weak, is the idea that the league is losing out on players because of the lack of free agency. And I don't buy that because, uh, you, sure, so you, someone could say, oh, Hercules Gomez. If Hercules Gomez, if, if there was free agency and he can go anywhere he wants, and if not for these crazy rules, Herc- Hercules Gomez would be in MLS. I don't think that's necessarily the case. The guy is making a ton of money in Mexico. He's made a ton of money in Mexico for the past five years. He isn't in MLS because he can make more money in Mexico. He's not in, he's not in Mexico because free agency doesn't exist. And where are all these players who have said, you know what, I don't want to be in MLS because I can't go to the exact team I want to go to? I, I, I Show me this list. Show me this list of players. So I, I don't necessarily buy that argument. I do agree that players should have the freedom of, of movement in general. Like I, I, At its core, I like that idea, and I think that that is a good idea. But to say that the league is losing out because it doesn't exist, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if that's true. I think the players are obviously losing out because the players would love to go wherever they want. I'm sure if you're you know if you're a player and your contract runs out and, and you and you, you know you say you're from uh you know you're from Dallas and you want to go play home, you want to play FC Dallas. Or if you're Dax McCarty, who from what I understand, would love to play in Orlando with Orlando City, but obviously he's under contract with the Red Bulls. He can't go to the new, uh, Orlando City. Red Bulls don't want to trade him. Uh, but in, in a case where you had free agency, he could, you know, he'd be in a better position of influence. And that's where I think the league is not going to let that go because then you give players so much more power over teams. Uh, and and I'm not saying that it's right for them for, for, for the league to have that power, but the, I do see that the league is just not going to give it up. Not completely. Could we see some better, a, 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 a higher threshold than we have now? Because right now all we have is this reentry draft, which I think really hasn't done much for for players. The whole uh, the whole reentry draft, because at the end of the day, you still can't go where you want. No, so but 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 even, but what, but what could call the, it? You can't call it free agency. But what could the league give up? It's it's either it almost seems like it's either yes or no type thing. I mean, the middle it's not you a yes where the no, middle no, would be. No, it's not a yes or no thing because what you can do is, and I think if I recall, at one point before baseball went to full blown free agency, mm-hmm. I think you had a you had a situation uh, where it transitioned to that, and you had a you had a case where players when they had a certain threshold of years in could then become free agents. So like say. I mean, I think it was 10-5 in baseball. I could be completely wrong on that. But if you get to a case where, you know, if a player puts five years in, uh, you know, then he can go where he wants or six years in or some number like that, that I think that will be the next step. I think that will be the 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 middle ground or, or, or the concession that both sides make because full-blown free agency, I'm sorry, I just do not see it happening yet. But I do think the players, uh, you know, if they're as unified as they're saying they are, I think they should be able to get uh, – more concessions in that in that direction, uh, and and you know what? If if it gets to a point where where a player once once he, he's you know got his six years in, uh, like I'm I'm totally throwing that number out out there, but six. Let's just say that like any player who has six years in the league, once his contract expires, is free to go where he wants. I think that you know what that'd be that'd be reasonable. That I think that'd be a reasonable next step, because I just don't think you're gonna you're gonna go from zero free agency. To complete Wild West free agency, you're just not gonna. It's not gonna happen. And if the players are really, uh, if they're seriously going to strike, unless they get the whole 
thing, then then folks, we're going to have a strike because I don't. I just don't see the. I did not see the league giving in completely. And another talking point I have is between these negotiations is going to be the use of uh, is going to be the conversation of DPs. So earlier this week, Harrison Ship went out and, and said on Twitter, "I wonder if Jovinko knows he will make more money in two days than some of his teammates in a year." Uh, there seems to be a little bit, a bit of backlash with a lot of these kind of major DP contracts we've seen over the last year and a half. I mean, I don't know how much backlash there is, but it does seem to be be a talking point all of a sudden. I mean, I know you, I saw the – I think Taylor Twelman tweeted something about the Steven Gerrard contract and the fact that you get a deal like that or even a Josie Altador or Jovinko signings in the middle of these CBA negotiations. Yeah. And I mean, I really don't I, – I, I, I get, the, I, I get the, the point in the sense that people are trying to make the tie-in of, well, if the league is losing money, why is the league signing these players? And – I think that's a little narrow-minded to look at it that way because each te- when it comes to these DP signings, the teams are the ones who are really on the hook for the majority of the money. Um, so if you're TFC, is TFC losing money in the operation of uh, of, of the club? If, is their ownership group losing money? Yes, but are they trying to? Are they investing in that product still? Are they trying to turn things around by spending tons of money on star players? Yes. So. I, I, you know, that, so for me, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think you can make that argument that you can say, oh, well, you know, they shouldn't, they shouldn't be signing these guys while Joe Schmo makes 40,000 or 50,000. You can, I just think it's two different things. You know, I, I think the league needs star players and you, and you, ha- and in this, in this market, in the global market, you have to pay a premium for star players. Steven mm-hmm. Gerrard, Kaká, uh, Jovinko. I mean, Jovinko's in his prime. He's 27. And I know people can argue, oh, well, why, why is the league paying $6 million for Josie Altador when he can't make half that anywhere, <laughs> anywhere else in, in the world? And, and you know what? You can, we can, that's a whole di- for me, I think that's a whole different thing. That's a whole different argument. Um, but just in general, the idea of spending money on star players, the league needs its star players just like it needs its middle class, its middle class of salary players. And it, also, it needs its, its younger players as well. It needs its rookies and, and its homegrowns and the players that are coming in to be the, be the foundation of the league. It needs all of those things. But I, I just think it's a little, you know, for Harrison Ship, and I get it. Harrison Ship, he, he's, he's going into his second year in the league, and you can kind of already tell by his social media uh, uh, activity that, you know, he, he, he plans to be kind of an active participant in the league. He's going to be an active participant in the union. And, and, and credit to the guy, right? I mean, Notre Dame grad smart kid he plans to be a vocal vocal boy a vocal person uh in the league a vocal player but i'm sorry the whole javinko tweet like listen the guy is an italian national team player in his prime coming to mls when he is available on a free transfer um why shouldn't he take the payday that they offer him and why should he care the, of what it, what his teammates make like really like i i i'm sorry i just don't like for me i thought that was a little miss a little bit kind of missing the point there. Like, why should, like, seriously, like, I'm sure Jamaica will sit there and say, well, hey, it'd be nice if my teammates made more money, but what, like, what, what do people want him to do? I mean, should he, like, give away part of his check? Like, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I thought that was a little missing the point for me. And I mean, I get, I get why you, you address it. I get, I get why you bring it up. Um, would it be nice if there was a little bit more salary parity? I, I, yes, it would be. But at the same time, when you want to talk about the lower end salaries in this league, you want to talk about the rookies, the the younger players, the uh, who start out making you know minimum salary forty thousand, fifty thousand, up to a hundred thousand for some of the top rookies. 
where if they could make more money in, in somewhere else playing soccer, they will. They, they the the market MLS has figured this out now. Like the, they know that these younger players, the market is not there for them to get more money elsewhere, so they can set that price. What so like NAS if NASL tomorrow decided, you know what, we want to, we're going to start going after top college talent. We're going to start going after the homegrown players and offering them money. You know what? Then MLS would, then, then you'd start to put some pressure on MLS. Then, then MLS would have to raise the mm-hmm. salaries because then it's competition. Then there is a market for those players. But for, for, for the players on that lower end or for people in general to say the players on that lower end should make more money just because... I mean, I got. I, I mean, I don't know. Like I, for me, I think it'd be great. And when you want to talk about pro sports, like you think all pro athletes should be making six figures minimum, right? Just what we're used to, right? We're used to the NBA, NFL. These guys make millions when they first start in the league. But at the end of the day, still, MLS is a business. They look at their younger players and they look at the market. They look at and there's the NASL, there's USL, there's Europe. Players, Americans can't go to Europe at a young age because, you know, most country, most countries need you need a work permit unless you go to Scandinavia. And in Scandinavia, it's not like there's tons of money there either. So MLS has weighed this against the market. And that's why they set the, 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 the introductory salaries in the league at a low number. But guess what? If you play well, mm-hmm. you will make more money. Jeff Cameron, for what was he, last pick of the third round of the year he came, he came in on a minimum salary. Houston Dynamo draft pick. Guess what? The guy's making millions now, or make, he's making a lot of money at Stoke City. Michael Bradley, fourth round pick, started out making like thirty thousand. Now he's making six million. Josie Altidore, same thing. He made like fifty thousand. He, oh, well, he was a gen, he was a he was a he was a, he was yeah. a GA, I think. So he, he, I, I don't know if he was even making a hundred thousand as a rookie. But guess what? Once you actually play to a point where you can increase your salary, you will increase your salary. I mean, the league is full of players right now. Who started like the Drake song, right? Started from the bottom, and then you were in, and then now they're they're, they're here, right? Michael Bradley, Josie Altidore, DPs now, Matt Beasler, J- Graham Zuzzi, Wondolowski, Kyle Beckham, and Omar Gonzalez. I mean, these guys all started out making on that lower tier, and guess what? They played their way up to a higher tier. So, I, 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 the idea that oh. Uh, you know, a, a Jovinko or a Gerard or Lampard should feel guilty because they make so much more money than these first these first guys starting out. That's 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 absurd. That's like you know what that's like saying that's like all right. I give you the example. Let's say you you go, uh, you go to a movie studio, right? You go to a movie studio and and you go up to like uh, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart's the biggest star like in in the world, right? Or, or him and The Rock, right? Like these guys are mega stars. They're like going up to Kevin Hart and saying, you know what, Kevin? How do you feel making seven million a movie when? This movie, uh, this intern over here is only making twenty thousand. He'd laugh in your face, and he should, right? <laughs> Until you are the guy who's moving the needle, and you are the guy who is generating the revenue, and you are the guy who who can make the money elsewhere. Until you're that guy, you got to work your way up to get there. It's, it's, so it's, that's the same in the business world too, or in any profession. Uh, that's all I'm saying. So yeah. I, I think it's a little, you know, I, I don't, I don't. I think that's losing the plot a little when we start going at the people on the higher end of the scale because that's no, I don't buy that at all. Do I think the you can't you can't here, but. you can't fault these guys? Look, if someone's going to pay you that amount of money, you're going to say yes. That's right. just the reality. I get look, listen. I totally <laughs> look, and, and everybody wants to make more money, right? We, I want to make you want to make you, we all want to make more money. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter how much you make, you want to make more, right? 
Um, so you understand why the players want a higher minimum. That's totally understandable. At the same time, the market dictates it, right? The market will ultimately dictate it. And, and, and to say, well, owners pay us more than pay us more, even though no one else will pay us that. No one else is going to pay us more. You already pay us more. Rookies in MLS make more than rookies in NASL. They make more than rookies in USL already. So, so should you double their salaries be, just because? Like, I, I mean, it's – and, again, I know it comes back to the whole revenue thing and, and, and the question of, well, if the league is making tons of money, then, yes, the, re- the, the salary should go up. But the players, I mean, they don't know what they, – they know what they don't know. You know, they, they don't, they don't they see think, the bottom line. They don't see the financial right, well, reports. That's the right. I mean, I I get that. That that's that's fair. But like, I mean, I go to these games. I'm at, I'm 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 going to games all over the country, in MLS, and they're in, other than Portland, and Seattle, and and LA. How many markets are just killing it on a from a business standpoint? Mm-hmm. Killing it, selling out all their seats. Uh, you know, TV uh revenue. Like who who? How many? T- there's twenty. Right? What are they? Twenty teams in the league coming into this year. So last year there were what nineteen teams. Of the nineteen teams, maybe three you could you could look at and say, oh, they're healthy, they're they're doing well as a business. Three out of nineteen is not a league that's just raking it in. It just isn't. So uh, hopefully, there, hopefully there's some concessions made on the soapbox. And there, I, I hope I don't. Well, like no, so you're just you're just I, you're, you're pointing out things that people should know, and if they don't know these things, then uh, but you know what? Because it's always easy to just say, hey, owners are rich. Make them pay more. Uh, owner, uh, you know, Joe Joe rookie should make a hundred. Should not have. And I agree with this now. Like the idea, like why should rookies have to have like three roommates and you know make you know making whatever. Listen, the, the, from what I understand now, what the minimums are now, like ten years ago was a much better argument. Like the, the, you want to talk about like going back to like two thousand two thousand and one when these guys were making like twelve thousand in a year. And even that wasn't guaranteed. And now I think I think the minimum, the rookie minimum now is like thirty something thousand, and it becomes guaranteed on 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 uh, opening day. Like it, it, things have gotten better, and it, I'm sure they're gonna get some. They're gonna they're, there will be concessions made. I think there will be some increases in the minimum. I think there will be some, but I, I anyone thinking that we're gonna see huge huge changes, whether it's free agency, whether it's in salaries, a minimum salaries, I just don't see it. I really don't. Um, it's actually I was back to back shows you you've referenced Drake Drake starting from the bottom. Well, it's just, the top. you know that's a you know I, I, he he picked he he came up with a great idea for a song because it's it's perfectly fitting. It be, that's the thing. If if MLS were a league where there just didn't seem to be any any opportunity for growth or or for upward mobility, then it's like oh well what the what the, what are these players even in this league for? What's the point? But we 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 there's this there's a long list of players mm-hmm. who have taken full advantage of playing in MLS to make themselves very very financially sound and stable. So, you know what? Hopefully that day comes for more and more players. You know, I I also find it always amusing when when Major League Soccer boasts of their attendance numbers. Uh, yeah. When like Chivas usually had seven thousand fans last year. That's another well, that's thing. Little, would... <laughs> well, you know what's funny? It's funny because, right? In a way, MLS is making it bad for themselves. They are. It's it's because... funny when you look at like like some of these teams. I'm looking at statistics. Like, oh, I mean, the know. league average was like ninety percent or something like that no, capacity. The, right. No, the league, no, the numbers are not completely legitimate when it comes to, and it's and and that and and hey, you can you can definitely criticize the league for that because then you you know it's like on one hand, 
you know they they want them people they want people to believe that the that the the <laughs> league is vibrant and the league is and that more and more fans are coming and that the stadiums are are, are generally full. But you can't also you can't sell that story and then turn around and say, well, guess what? We're broke. Like it's not it's not both. It's not both. And for me, I would say the one that's the one that's less likely to be true is the idea that all these stadiums are full across the country. Uh, they're full in Portland, but I, I've never been to Portland and not seen it completely packed and and just amazing scene, amazing scenes. And Seattle, generally speaking, is usually pretty full. L.A. is usually pretty full. But beyond that, you could I mean, say KC, you, you could say yeah, Casey. You could see, maybe say Vancouver too. Vancouver, really? I don't know. I don't. Is it? I, they their games always. I I think they're just kind of like they're, the they're third child up there, man. But, but you know what? It's even state game revenue, stadium revenue, like that's not the only. That's not going to help you be a, a, a vibrant organization unless you have an eighty thousand seat stadium. If you have a, if your capacity on game days is like twenty thousand or twenty four thousand, like you you need more than that. And if you're not getting TV revenue, which most teams don't get. I don't know if any teams get uh, in, in like their, their local market TV revenue. Um, I don't know how many teams are really, really and truly making money year to year. I, I don't. I don't know how many teams are doing that. I would say probably three to five around that. That'd be a. And you know what? If you, if if you get if you have a nineteen team league, and this is last year when they were nineteen, and I'm sure. And it, you know what? We will point this out. Cheapest USA going. <laughs> And Orlando City coming in is is good for the league, right? I mean, in terms of trying to measure the financial like health of the league, I think that helps. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the NYCFC also because their owners have money. Um, but the it's still even then it's still not even half the teams' leagues that are true. Um, half the league's teams are truly financially vibrant. It's not it's not the case. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I I agree with you, Avis. You still, know what? Least still, still growing, man. It is. It is. But you know what? Hey, hopefully, you know what? If the uh, I, listen, I will. I, throw, I will tip my hat to the union if they succeed in free agency. If they succeed in in, in getting some real real increases in the minimum, that they, then they will they will absolutely be heroes to the to soccer players of every age in this country. But for me, I, I think I don't think they're going to get all that. I think they, I think they'll get some concessions. I think there'll be some slight increases in the minimum. I think there'll be a, a some in, some middle ground on the free agency thing, which I think it will be a service time issue, whether it's six years, seven years. I mean, it, you can't get much beyond that because then it's like, all right, like that's not even that's players will definitely strike if they're if they're united on that. But the idea of complete total free agency, where where a player, uh, Kyle Aaron is an example, right? He just signed. He's a, no, the number one pick in the MLS draft. Generation Adidas signing. I'm sure he at least signed a five-year deal, probably signed a six-year deal because he's a teenager and because the, the league has these absurd contracts for the rookies. Let's just say Kyle Aaron is on a six-year contract or a three-year contract, two, three-year contract with three league options, right? Uh, when that contract's up, if, if, the league, if the union can get it to where that player as a rookie off of his first contract can be a free agent, then that is a huge victory for the league. Do I think it for, – for, for the union. Do I think it's going to happen? No. Yeah, I'd, I'd be shocked too. Um, the players are going to hate you now, Ivis. <laughs> I know, right? No, I hope the players can get every penny, man. I, I would stand up and applaud them if they get it. If they get, the, if they get every penny. And you know what? You're, it, you're just being, it, you're just being real. That's what it is. I'm just trying to be realistic with it, man. I've been, <laughs> I've, I've, I've been covering this league a long time. I, 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 I see what the reality is of the situation, and 
the only way the owners are giving in is if they actually are sitting on a pile of gold, right? If they're sitting on a pile of millions and millions and they've done a good job of hiding it and somehow it comes out that they have it and they have to give it up, then yeah, sure, they're going to give in. But but if uh, other than that, if it's anywhere close to the reality they're trying to portray where the league is still not quite as a whole healthy financially, the league's not budging an inch. They're really not, especially not on the salaries. Maybe on the free agency, I think there's going to be progress made there for the players. I will say that. There will be some progress. And I think the service time thing is a good uh, compromise, right? If you can get a five- or six-year uh, threshold where a player once a player's been uh, put in, five, uh, let's say, six years. I think I can see six years. I'm going to put an over-under on it. Six-year service time threshold for free agency, that would be a victory because that's a first step. And then you know what? Five years from now, try to move it up a little more. You know what I mean? Like it, it, that, that's, yeah. just how that's just how it works. Uh, I'm also glad that I learned that the two biggest you know, Hollywood stars, in your opinion, are The Rock and, and Kevin Hart. Oh, we're talking box office. I mean, well, Kevin Hart, let's face it. <laughs> Lately, he's been killing it, I got to tell you. And, and I, Wedding Ringer was funny. I saw Have you seen that, that show that he has, The um, Real Husbands of Hollywood or, or Beverly Hills? Have- I heard it's funny. I, it, dude, I, it, the first season is by far one of the funniest things I've ever watched. I, I have, to, I plan to watch it. I haven't watched it yet, but I mean, he's, he's it was he's, hilarious. He's crushing it. The Rock's crushing. Well, we're just talking about pure box office, right? Yeah. I mean, I could have said like Will Smith, but I mean, mm. what's the last movie he made that that was big? Independence right? Day. I don't know if it's been that long. <laughs> I'm sure there's been something before that. I don't know why that popped in my head. <laughs> Probably. Is it on every day? Maybe that movie was awesome, though. What's that? Independence Day. Yeah. Oh, I know. In the movies, it was great. Yeah. My little brother wanted to be called Steve forever after that, based off Will Smith's character. <laughs> what, were you like six when that movie came out? Uh, me? What was that? No, I think it came out in 97, so I was, I was 10 years old. <laughs> I was I was graduating college. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm old. Damn. You are old, Ivis. I am. I am. <sighs> but you know what? It is what it is. But I, no, I do. I am not. I am not pro owner. I am not pro player. Uh... Just for the record. And, uh, you know, if you're going to root for anybody, who roots for owners at the end of the day? Right? <laughs> nobody should nobody should root for they have money, They have millions of dollars. I'll, I'll root for the owners. You can take the player's side. I'll, I'll root for the owners. I'm not rooting for a side, but <laughs> I think the public should, you know, the public's always going to root for the owners. because I mean, for the players, because they know the players. And the, that they're the fans of the players. No no fan, care, like, is a fan of their owner. Like, there are – I mean, okay, Phil Rollins is a pretty – Pretty charming owner, pretty charismatic owner. Uh, Rob Heineman, Sporting Kansas City. I, I, I'm sure a lot of fans like him. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I, uh, maybe, I, don't, I don't know how beloved Merritt Paulson is in Portland. I mean, he, he definitely has done a great job there with that team. Um, but beyond that, like who, the rest of the league's owners are kind of just these faceless entities or or they're not well-liked at all, like the Chicago owner, Andrew, Andrew Houtman. I don't know if there's a long line of, of Chicago Fire fans that are standing in line to shake his hand. So, I mean, I think it's a lot easier to root for the players. You know what I'm rooting for? Hmm. I am rooting for a deal to get done Yes. before <laughs> March 8th. I'm not even going to say March 6th, March 8th. Because you know what? If that first game, if that what, what's that first game? The the, the Friday, there's, there's a Friday Friday March. Night game. It's March sixth. March sixth. Whatever that. Okay. You know what? If there's a strike and that one game is sacrificed, you know what? If that has to happen, I'm fine. But as long as they're back in play on March eighth, and as long as I'm because I'm going to be in Orlando. I already booked my flight. I'm going to be in Orlando from Wednesday before the game. Uh, as long as the Orlando NYCFC game happens 
I'll be happy. I'm rooting for that. Uh, the first game I visit on March 6th is L.A. at home taking on Chicago. That would be – you know what? Listen, if, if, I'm sure that if the, if the union, the players' union, they're looking at that schedule and they say, you know what, if we strike and that game <laughs> doesn't happen, that'll put the pressure on the owners. That'll help us get concessions. Maybe, maybe that'll happen. But you know what? <laughs> just, just as long as Orlando NYCFC happens. Well, you also, you also need to be happy for, uh, for the Orlando game. Granted, though, I, I still think Disney World would be uh, be a good silver lining. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I get there. I'm going to get there on Wednesday, and all I keep hearing about is all the things they have planned for that week <laughs> uh, leading up to the game. They're trying to have a. I mean, they're going to try to fill the Citrus Bowl, from what I hear. Uh, so, I mean, you probably. I mean, I don't know if they're going to fill the Citrus Bowl, but you know, if they get like forty thousand or forty five thousand, I mean, that'd be pretty damn good. So, yeah. hopefully, it happens. Hopefully, there is no strike, and if there is a strike, hopefully, it lasts one day. And, 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 you know, they sort it out. There's only one game missed, and then we get right on to it. Because we all – because as I've said in the previous shows, there is a lot of buzz about this season. I, I feel like this season is – it could it has the makings of being a very, very good season in MLS. And it would be a serious, serious downer if if uh, there's a strike and if, and if the league misses any more than a game. If the if the league misses a week, I mean, or, or more, then it's man, it's it, things could get really ugly. Well, while the union threatens to strike the league, um, the, you know, Major League Soccer and the owners keep on going and signing designated players. The latest is Scottish midfielder Sean Maloney, who arrives in Chicago from Wigan on a transfer. Uh, Ivis Chicago making some moves, man. They're going to look like a much different team next year. Well, we knew that when uh, when they cut like eighty percent of yeah. their roster. Uh, the day after the season, um, so we knew that, and it was always the question was always, how in the world are they going to transform their entire team uh, in one fell swoop? Are they going, you know? And, and what they've done, I got to give them some credit because I like the signing, I like the Sean Maloney signing. Um, they've, you know, they've scoured the globe and signed a lot of international players, right? Uh, but they've added some quality. I mean, David Akam, the the Ghanaian forward, is he is? I mean, he could be something special. I mean, he's a guy who, from what I was told, the fire signed him and already were getting offers, multi-million dollar offers for him after just signing him. He hasn't even played a game for them. And they're already getting offers for, for, for a common. He's playing in the African Nations Cup, so I'm sure the scouts are checking him out there. But to add David account, to add Sean Maloney, uh, they added Jovan Jones, uh, the left back from Trinidad, who's a quality player as well. I mean, that's just three of the players they've added. They've, I mean, they've added like a dozen new players. Um, but just with, the, with starting with those three, I mean, or specifically the two DPs, uh, I think they've signed three DPs, actually. They have Maloney, they have a comp, and then uh, I think they have another forward who may or may not be a DP. So, I mean, they, I, a month ago I wasn't so high on the fire, but you know what? In the Eastern Conference, if Frank Yellow could get these pieces to fit together, they could absolutely make a run and be a playoff team. Uh, the third DP, Ivis, is uh, Kennedy Igboa Nanike. That's who it is. Nice. One of your better pronunciations. It yeah. I'm, I, 35 takes. <laughs> me, me and the, I'm, I'm great with the African pronunciations, Ivis. It's just the, you know, you know South American ones. Yeah, the, those ones. The Latino pronunciations. Yeah, yeah. difficult times. Like, yeah, like Agudelo. We're going <laughs> to discuss later. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you fair warning now. We're going to talk about I say I say it right. <laughs> All right. We'll see you in about 10 minutes. All right. <laughs> All right. No, but hey, fire. Just looking at their roster right now. Um, I mean, they added uh, Julie DePrado, Brazilian forward. Uh, they added a defender and a Brazilian defender. 
And I forgot. How can I forget? Michael Stevens is back uh, from his his foray in Scandinavia. A uh, really underrated player uh, that I, I always thought could could do well in MLS. And you know, he's back in the league after originally being with the Galaxy. I think he could he could be a nice addition for them as well. So you know what, Frank Gallup. He's done. A, he's done a good job of compiling some talent. Now he just has to get all the pieces to fit, and uh, we'll see if he gets the job. Uh, keeping it in the Eastern Conference, moving over to the. I'm sorry, moving over to DC United, not the DC United. Uh, Eddie Johnson is uh, sidelined right now. Looks like he'll be out for a month with a medical condition. Ivis, uh, what's, what's going on with the latest with Eddie Johnson? Well, we haven't heard any official prognosis on what is going on. Uh, I think there was some talk in the past about him maybe having some sort of heart condition. Uh, that he had to get treated. Uh, we haven't. The, the DC United has put nothing out on that situation at the moment. Um, so all we can do is kind of uh, just see how long it takes him to get back. And uh, it's it's interesting when you think of the off season. Uh, he was a player that that you know DC seemed to be completely ready to let go. Uh, he he did, he wasn't taken in any of the, in the expansion draft. He 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 he's still with the team, and you wonder you know what was the medical condition. Is that why he didn't end up going to any other teams? Uh, but at this point, you just wish him well and, and hope, hope he can get healthy and get back and, and show us the player that DC United expected when they signed, uh, mm-hmm. signed him to a designated player deal. Uh, he obviously has a lot to prove. The way last year went for him wasn't necessarily the best. And, uh, you know, you wonder if if this, whatever this physical ailment is, <clears throat> was that what kind of held him back last year? So it's it'll. I'm very curious to see just what is going on with this because, you know, we've seen it in the past, uh, situations where a player is dealing with some sort of health issue that, that nobody knows about and it, it, it keeps them from playing at their best. And then you come to find, you know, months and years later that, oh, they had this going on or that going on and that would explain why they had their struggles. So, you know what, you wish them well. I uh, hope he can get back and, and get back to that player we saw doing well for the U.S. and for the Seattle Sounders just two years ago. Uh, Ivis, we're on day 35 of the Sasha question to MLS watch. Uh, Has it been that long? I don't know. I made that number up. It's <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's been a while, though. <laughs> I think I got that. Yeah, well, well it's, if you want to go back to the summer and the Dallas <laughs> Yeah, that's it's true. Yeah, that's right. Day like 200, but. Uh, but yeah, no. If we're, if, we're talking about, if we're talking about the winter window watch, uh, I believe I started that a few weeks back. Thirty-five sounds about right. No, it's probably more like fifteen days. Fifteen? Oh, okay. Yeah, not that you know, time flies. But uh, but yeah, no. So the question <laughs> thing, we're still waiting for something to happen with that. Uh, as we all know, the Galaxy made the trade to move up. Uh, they, they made the trade uh, getting rid of Marcelo Sarvas, uh, and they have moved up in the allocation order, but. Uh, there are other teams that could potentially jump ahead of them. Obviously, Montreal has the top pick. They have the top allocation pick. And from what I understand, the Red Bulls, the New York Red Bulls are very interested in moving into that top spot. Um, I haven't heard anything new on that front as far as if and when a trade is going to actually happen between those two teams. Uh, one thing I will say from what I've been told is that Kleshton wants, uh, you know, he's not just going to come here and, and play for peanuts. Like he, he wants he wants some real money to come here and 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 the sense I get is that he wants DP money. Now if he wants DP money, I don't know if the Galaxy can make that happen. I know and insert your MLS makes up its rules for Galaxy joke right here. But uh, uh, if you're the Red Bulls, you can understand why the Red Bulls would want such a question. Um, but you know uh, their DP situation. You know, it, I mean, if they get rid of Tim Cahill, as everybody expects, uh, I mean, then you can uh, you can see him sliding in there, but. Uh, I think if you're the Red Bulls, you you want to you want to make sure you can try to get Sasha Kleshin if you can. 
what's the price tag going to be on that though? That's the real question because I don't think Montreal is just going to give that away. Um, especially knowing that other teams are interested, other teams were interested. So I, I think it's going to take quite a bit to make that happen. And, and if you're the Red Bulls, what's the price you're willing to pay to make a deal happen? And another league news around Major League Soccer, Toronto FC trades Kyle Becker to FC Dallas. What do you make of this move, Ivis? Well, you know, when Becker was <clears throat> drafted by Toronto, you know, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of talk about, you know, the, the, the hometown kid coming back to Toronto and, and he'd have his chance to thrive there. And he just never really got an, he never really got going there. Right. And, and it's funny because even though he didn't really get going with TFC, he ended up playing quite a bit for the Canadian national team. And it's interesting how that works, but uh, <clears throat> obviously Toronto uh, went in other directions when it came to their midfield. Uh, you know, <laughs> you, Very different directions. <laughs> no, no. Well, it's, we're not even just talking about like Michael Bradley and, uh, but you also have Jonathan Osorio, and now they signed Jade Chapman, homegrown player uh, from Michigan State, a player who probably would have been a top two pick in the MLS draft if he wasn't a homegrown player. Uh, so TFC gave Becker his time. He just never really got going. And I can tell you what, I remember, I can think of several games that I watched where Becker was partnering with Michael Bradley, and, and he just couldn't, he couldn't play at that mm-hmm. level, or he couldn't, you know, combine with Bradley and, and, and I'm sure, you know, he had his opportunities there, but he just never quite got going. Maybe a change of scenery will do him some good. Oscar Pereja, as we all know, is a really good track record of developing young players, mm-hmm. particularly young midfielders. So maybe this change of scenery uh, will be a good one for Becker. And, uh, you know, there's obviously going to be some decent competition in that midfield, uh, in that FC Dallas midfield. But um, sometimes it's a, a player just needs, needs to get away. And, and look, Toronto – if we look at the track record, players who have left Toronto and gone on and done amazingly well elsewhere. Oh, that's it's like uh, two players, Ivis. Come on. Oh my lord! <laughs> Are, really? Jao <laughs> Plata, Luis Silva, <laughs> uh, a lot more. I, I think it was like five. It was like seven of the top twenty-five goal scorers last year. So it was some absurd number. Um, but anyway, I mean, not to say that you know Becker's going to be an all-star, but sometimes a change of scenery helps, and it has shown in recent years that a change of scenery from Toronto can usually be, can oftentimes work wonders for your career. And also this past week, Major League Soccer teams announced a few more USL Pro affiliates and the New York Red Bulls and Toronto FC officially announced their USL Pro teams after there was a lot of chatter the past few months that it was very obvious that was going to happen, but they announced it this past week, Ivis. Chatter. You meant you meant the breaking news stories <laughs> of our man, Franco Panizo on SBI, who reported it. I believe like December sixth. Oh, he reported it a while back. First one to report it. Uh, I can't. I can't talk up Franco. You know that. Uh, I know you can't. I know. You, and I know you guys hate each other. But anyway, it's, it's true. <laughs> we do hate each other. That is very true. No, but look, it, it's it's great to see TFC and the Red Bulls take this step. Uh, the more the merrier. Uh, it's a great opportunity for teams to have a place for their younger players to develop. And when you and you when you look at a team like the Red Bulls, right. Mm-hmm. They're they're making this new commitment to younger players, right? They're trying to now sign homegrown players, uh, players who you know you really can't expect them to play right away with the first team, but now you have somewhere for them to play and for them to develop. That's been the biggest problem, or one of the biggest problems with the Red Bulls in recent years has been they would sign these players to homegrown deals and then have nowhere for them to play, and they would just kind of rot away and just their, their careers would stagnate. Now. You're going to have a, a team for them to play on, and you can monitor them 
Uh, watched them closely. Have them play at a pretty decent level. USL USL Pro is a pretty good level for younger players to to improve in. So I, I think it's great for them. It's obviously great for TFC. TFC similar situation. Uh, when you look at the money they're spending on their roster, and, and it's going to be that much tougher for younger talent to have a place to, to develop. I mean, when you look at Jay Chapman, I just mentioned Jay Chapman. Uh, you know, maybe he gets in with the first team, but if he can't. At least he has a place he can go play. Alex Bono, the 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 goalkeeper, the top pick for them, uh, who was just in the U.S. camp. You don't really expect him to come in and start for TFZ, but you know what? Now you have somewhere where he can get a full year of starts under his belt, and then maybe next year he can start. So I think it's great for the league, and it's especially when you talk about these teams that obviously uh, have the resources to develop a lot of young talent. They just don't have a place to play them, and now they do. And just under a week ago, Major League Soccer held the third and fourth rounds of the MLS Super Draft. Uh, Don't call it a Super Draft. (laughs) (laughs) I know you hate that so much. So MLS, as we said, third and fourth rounds. It was on Tuesday. Uh, Ivis, what were some of the things that stood out to you? Maybe some players that were selected, were not selected in the later rounds of the MLS draft. Uh, Well, I think some teams did well um, with, with their picks, with their later picks. Obviously, time will tell, but... For me, a team like Portland, I thought they they, they added some some interesting pieces, some pretty good pieces in in the in the later rounds. <clears throat> when when you want to talk about Anthony Manning, a, a big and skilled the central defender, they add they they took the last pick in the entire draft, Seth Kasipel, the uh, midfielder from Cal, who I think is a pretty talented player. He went undrafted, um, or he did, he he was the last pick in the draft, but I thought th- I thought that was a good pickup. I thought uh, when you when you just run down the the third round, you knew there were going to be some talented players. Uh, that had dropped down. Um, I thought Philadelphia getting Aaron Simmons when they did the UCLA defender, someone who I thought you know could have been a, easily a first round, a first round pick. Um, and I think he's a guy who's going to end up being better than some of the players who went in the first round. Uh, I think that was a nice pickup for them. Uh, I thought uh, Kansas City did well as, uh, with the uh, they, they picked up James Rogers. It's funny there were some teams who actually liked their second day picks better than the first day picks. A, a team like Toronto FC, who you know, th- there were some head scratchers for me uh, in, in their picks on day one. Um, I mean, not Alex Bono. I mean, Alex Bono was a pretty easy pick and a uh, quality quality prospect. But I mean, for me, Sal Bernal in the fourth round, Toronto FC got themselves a nice gem. Tyler Angle, another small forward um, who who could potentially do something. He was at UNC and a pretty productive player. Uh, and then the Galaxy. Look, Bruce Arena and his guys, they know how to find spot talent and develop talent. Um, it's not that they bat a 1,000, but they, they usually do a pretty good job of identifying players. And in, the, in their later rounds, they added Daniel Keller, the Louisville center back, very skilled player, uh, uh, not as big as some of the other center backs, but a very good passer out of the back, a technical player. Uh, and then they added Andrew Wolverton in the fourth round, a goalkeeper who – uh, you know, was injured, didn't get to play in the combine, but you know, you could argue was probably the second or third best goalkeeper overall in the entire draft pool. Uh, so he's someone that they can stash on the LA two team, uh, maybe have him fight for starting spot there, and, and you know what, maybe one day he can be a starter for them. Uh, so I think those teams did well for themselves. Um, as far as players who didn't get picked, the one player who didn't get picked that was kind of like, did he really fall completely out of the draft? Was Ramon Martin Del Campo. Who went from you know some people thought he'd be a first round pick. The league thought he'd be a first round pick. They signed him to a, they signed him to a senior contract, so obviously they thought he was going to go in the first round. He went undrafted through four rounds, and I know some people are going to be like, "What the hell happened there?" Um, part of it was the fact that he had a senior contract, and, and teams were going to have to commit 
a roster spot to him. Um, and but also, you know, not everyone was a fan of of just his play, uh, of the skill set, uh, uh, the weaknesses that that some teams thought he had. And he's also someone who has a strong personality. And maybe not everybody was a fan of, of him being kind of a, a, a an outspoken, brash kind of guy. Um, but guess what? He didn't get drafted. But guess who he ends up uh, joining for training camp? The Los Angeles Galaxy. So you know what? Yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time that they snatch up a guy like that. And have him and have him develop into a good player. So, the LA Galaxy, it, it, there's a reason they're always right there. There's a reason there's always a, they're always the champions. It's not just about the the Robbie Keens and the DPS and all that. They also do a good job of finding those diamonds in the rough. You know, when you look at the draft over two days, I'm, I'm sorry, over all the rounds, who stood out to you as having the best draft? Uh, I haven't really sat down and and looked at it in that way, but the teams that come to mind for me. Um, I think Seattle did really well. Um, I, I thought they did well on day one. And on day two, they went and grabbed Andy Craven, who, again, I thought could have been easily a first-round, early second-round pick. They ended up getting him with the 48th pick overall. I thought that was a, that was a great value for them. Uh, I thought I thought the Portland Timbers, when you want to combine the two days, I thought they did really well for themselves. And uh, in the, in the Philadelphia Union, you could argue, you could, you could definitely make a case for them. Doing pretty well, even though I'm not sold on, on that. I don't know. For me, I, I just feel like through the years, <clears throat> the union, uh, they've had this kind of feudal chase for left-footed players, right? Left backs, pure left backs and, they, and, and uh, left-sided players. And, and it always seemed, they, they've swung and missed so many times. Now they went and grabbed the guy in Raymond Lee in the fourth round, uh, who they say is going to be the guy. I don't know. I'm not convinced, but we'll see. Uh, and tell you what, the Columbus crew, the Columbus crew, uh, I thought they did well day one, and on day two they threw a flyer on Robbie Cristo, the forward from St. Louis, who's supposed to be signing a deal in in Serie in Serie B in Italy. Now, if for whatever reason it doesn't work out for him and he comes back to MLS, if you're the Columbus Crew and you can end up getting Robbie Cristo, you're pretty damn happy with yourself. So, uh, so those teams stand out. I think Seattle, LA, Portland, and, and it's funny because you made fun of me last show for giving all the Eastern Conference teams. Uh, a lot of love, and uh, there were I, I had more East teams winning uh, than I had West teams. But when you take the two days together, I think Seattle, I think LA, I think Portland, uh, I think those teams are the ones that that stand out to me. And moving over to the U.S. men's national team, they are currently down in South America right now because on Wednesday they're going to be taking part in their first friendly of 2015. It's against Chile. Uh, Ivis Jonder Yedlin is now into camp. I'm excited. We may see a lot of uh, first caps for a few players. And uh, look, games on Wednesday, man. Great opportunity for a lot of these guys to step up and uh, and show that they uh, impressed Jurgen at the January camp. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. You distracted me with saying insurance uh, with the team. Uh, he Klinsman cut the, the roster down. Uh, he did send back some of the younger players that were in the camp. Um, but it, I'm, it brought DeAndre Yedlin in. Uh, I know some people were in panic mode when they saw that Yedlin was was called in because you're thinking, wait a minute, he's getting called in. That must mean he's he's not, he's doing terribly at Tottenham. <laughs> he's nowhere close to playing. And you know what? He probably isn't that close to playing. He just got there. Um, so I mean, he he's he. This is the thing that people I think tend to forget, right? Is for someone like Yedlin, who had his MLS uh, season, uh, he had his MLS season in December. It, it ended. Uh, well, it ended before december right i think it but he, he he's had a month off right uh so he the, he comes into the premier league season in his preseason so 
it's good. It's tough. You can't expect him to hit the ground running and be ready to play and get into that first team right away. It's going to take time. So I'm sure, uh, you know, his time at Tottenham has been to kind of get him to that point. And it's still a work in progress. Coming, joining the national team, potentially getting into these games or getting into that Chile game, but possibly staying and getting into the Panama game is only going to help his development, help him help him along as he tries to get ready to to be in a position to play first team uh, minutes for, for Tottenham. But I don't think anyone should be going into panic mode just because uh, Tottenham allowed him to be available for this match. And on one hand, Ivis, you have this U.S. roster that, that you do have some veterans on it, but you also have some guys who will be most likely receiving their first caps. And then on the other hand, you over, you have this Chilean team that is very inexperienced. So this isn't going to – I mean, look, it's not going to be cakewalk going into South America, but this isn't going to be the strongest Chilean team that the U.S. will face. Oh, not at all. I mean, it, 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 all you have to do is – you know, any, anyone who thinks, oh, this is going to be the team that, that looks so good in the World Cup, it, that, it absolutely is not going to be that team. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, if, if you remember the World Cup game against Brazil when they were eliminated by Brazil um, – there's only one player on this on this Chile roster who even played in that game, and that player came on as like a 108th minute substitute. So none of their player, Alexis Sanchez, uh, Medel, none, none of their none of their stars, Claudio Bravo, none of their top players are going to be there. It's a domestic roster. Doesn't mean that there's not some talent on it. I mean, they, they do have some talent on the roster, um, but I think the the challenge for the challenge the reason Klinsman likes this is the idea of traveling down. Uh, getting that experience, uh, I'm sure the I'm sure the environment's still going to be a good one. The, the atmosphere will be a good one, um, and you could also see the U.S. experimenting a bit. I mean, we'll talk about it more than I, I, we're going to try to do a, a pregame show before the game on Wednesday. We'll get into it a little more, but I mean, from what I understand, they're doing some experimentation with with line, with formations. Uh, the, the U.S. could be tinkering a bit with a three man defense, so we could potentially be seeing a three five two at play um, with with wing backs. I think we could be seeing that. Uh, Klinsman working with that, and it's interesting because Chile actually plays that way. So uh, I think that's a good fit from that standpoint. So you can kind of see what Klinsman is doing in that regard. It's like, you know, if you're trying to incorporate a new system, then what better way to do it than to go play a team that runs that a similar system? Now, it's obviously not their A team, but at least you get the idea why maybe he's trying to do that. So I think that's going to make for an interesting game on Wednesday, and uh, we'll talk more about it uh, in the next episode. Which will drop on Wednesday morning, the next episode of the SBI show. Keeping it on the U.S. men's national team, dropping down a few age groups. The U-20s, Ivis, they have done what they set out for. They have qualified for the 2015 World Cup, which is great. On the other hand, though, when you look at the performances at the very beginning, a little worrisome. The team rallied, came together. Good accomplishment for them. But still, this team it still you know has you wanting more from them, Ivis based off how much talent and quality they have? Well, you know what? I think the expectations were probably a little unrealistic. Um, and I think we just uh, – we, we saw them up close. We saw some of the players that maybe hit, uh, had reputations that were a bit inflated. Uh, on the other hand, look, the conditions were not ideal for a team that really was trying to play a skillful brand of soccer. Um, and not to make too much of an excuse because, look, some other teams had those same situ- same conditions and managed to create more. Mexico and Panama, as an example. I mean, even Guatemala created some really beautiful stuff, uh, some beautiful goals in that, in that tournament. So um, overall, job done, right? They, yep. the, the main point was to qualify, especially when you think about the U.S. youth national teams. 
uh, in the last four years or so. Uh, you know, the U20s that didn't qualify in 2011, the U23s didn't make the World Cup, U17s didn't make the last World Cup. So, I mean, when you look at that, you're like saying to yourself, at a certain point, yes, you would like to have seen the team play a better brand of soccer and be a, be a bit more dominant. But you know what? You're just glad you qualified considering how awful they started off with the tie against Guatemala, the win against, I mean, the loss against Panama. Look, credit to Panama. Panama's a good team. Uh, they pushed Mexico to penalties. They lost to Mexico in the final of the tournament. So, look, Panama was not a pushover. And sometimes you get, uh, on in the youth level, you're going to get these teams that kind of come out and they have a strong group and, and, and they put together a really good tournament. Um, were there disapp- players who disappointed? Absolutely for the U.S., but there were players I thought who stepped up. I thought Zach, Zach Steffen did well for himself. I thought Emerson Hyman showed his quality. And I know a lot of people had never really seen him play uh, and just heard about him through the years. I mean, you've been here, you know, people have been hearing his name in, uh, since 2010 as a 13-year-old. Uh, you know, it's supposed to be this prodigy, this up-and-coming American player. So to see him now emerge and actually be able to see him do his thing and, and see what kind of the fuss is about, the kid's got some skill. There's no doubt about it. Uh, he's got the qualities that can translate as he moves up and as he matures. Uh, so I think that was exciting to see. Um, you know, the, de- the defense did well. I thought Cameron Carter-Vickers looks looks legit, even though as young as he is, he looks really legit. Um, and then there were some players who, you know, for me, didn't necessarily, you know, impress or, or uh, didn't have the tournaments people would have expected them to have. Uh, Junior Flores is a guy we've been hearing so much about for years. Um, and he really kind of wasn't a factor in this tournament. I know he helped set up the insurance goal on the second goal coming off as coming on as a sub, but I mean, it, we're, we're talking two tournaments now. The, he was part of the U 17s that didn't qualify. And there was a lot made of the fact that he didn't have a bigger role on that team. Uh, and some people wanted to criticize Richie Williams, the coach at the time for not playing him more, but now here you go. You're in this U 20 tournament. And you know, he, he, his, his role was a little diminished in this tournament as well. So, you know, maybe it's not the coaches. Maybe he needs to he needs to improve uh, on his development. Uh, and then you have a Paul Ariola, who I think a lot was expected of coming into the tournament. Uh, he he came off the bench and did really well the last two games. So you saw the qualities there that that have him so highly regarded. Um, I think Kellen Acosta getting hurt was big. Uh, it, it hurt the U.S., uh, but they overcame it. For me now, I want to see how Rubio Rubin plugs into this team because he they I tell you what they're forwards. No offense to Ben Spencer and Bradford Jameson. They're, they're two young players. They have some qualities. But Rubio Rubin is a different level. Rubio Rubin is a class above those guys. He's a serious upgrade. When you plug him into the lineup uh, and you have ben, uh, when you have Emerson Hyman feeding him the ball instead of these other guys, I think he could really uh, have himself a good U-20 World Cup. And then you have Gideon Zellalem, who could who could be a, who could and should be a part of the U-20 World Cup team. Um when you get those, you add those two guys to this group, all of a sudden you start to feel a little better. Uh, having said that, I think expect you should, people should definitely temper expectations, as we learned the last time around in the U20 World Cup, uh, when the U20s ended up in a group of death and just really had no shot in it. Uh, I say take it easy and and wait till the World Cup gets here, and then you'll see how some of these guys do. And moving over to the Americans abroad. Uh, Ford Juan Agudelo Ivis is still without a club considering 1860 Munich at this point. He needs some games, Ivis, ASAP. Well, he needs a club. Uh, and, you know, it, it, he does need, he needs to get back playing. Obviously, everybody agrees on that. Uh, but at the same time, you're not going to rush into a bad situation. Uh, that can also be a, a, a problem. 
Uh, I think he's got options. From what I'm hearing, is he's he's got quite a few options that he's considering. Uh, I reported on the 1860 offer, 1860 Munich. Uh, they made an offer in the summer. He turned it down then. Uh, they have come back in for him, and he's weighing that offer right now. I think, as most people know, Bobby Wood, the U.S. Uh, national team forward, who's at 1860, is ready to leave 1860. So once he, you know, once he makes the move, he can move it out, and Agudelo could come in. And help them. They're they're mired in a relegation battle right now in Bundesliga two and, and and a club like them. I mean, they're a pretty pretty big club. Um, you know, they can't afford to get relegated again. I mean, I mean, or relegated. They you know they they're a team that you know has aspirations to be in the Bundesliga again. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. I, I don't know if I put my money on Agudelo signing with eighteen sixty. Um, you know, I, th- I think there's other options in Europe. I think MLS is, is still a possibility. So, so we'll see what happens. But I tell you what, I, I will agree, and I think most people would agree, he needs to sign with somebody very, very soon. And one more final thing before we go into the SBI Q&A. Hope Solo Ivis has been suspended from U.S. soccer for 30 days. It came out that her husband was driving the U.S. soccer fan van while he was under the influence of alcohol. Uh, allegedly. St- allegedly, excuse me. Yeah, allegedly. Um is 30 days enough here for Hope Solo? It seems like she keeps making mistakes, Ivis. Well, funny you mention that. I just wrote a piece for Gold.com pretty much laying out that it's not enough and that, if anything, they should pro- – for me, the, what I suggested was you know, they, they should pretty much suspend her uh, until the World Cup camp uh, in May or whenever the World Cup tra- – the, the last – whatever the training camp is before the World Cup, suspend her until then because – and for multiple reasons. Number one – you, get, you have an opportunity to look at some other players, start looking at some other options because she is so unstable that you can't you can't put all your eggs in that basket. I mean, we because we, it's a you know she's a basket case at this point. I mean, we, we we need the U.S. needs to find some alternatives because you know what she's proven over and over she's just she has poor judgment. Uh, that's number one. Number two, you put pressure on her to stay. Out of trouble because you know what? If you suspend her until the next tra- until the World Cup training camp, and you tell her, listen, if you do anything between now and then, you will not be at the World Cup. And if she doesn't get that message, and if that isn't enough to get her to straighten her act up, act up, then she, then good riddance, right? Because I mean, she has had enough. She has had enough chances. And what I found unbelievable was that she had the charges dropped in the case uh, of where she was accused of uh, of assaulting her sister and her nephew. Charges were dropped. Uh, her sister and nephew were uncooperative with, with investigators, so the charges were dropped. Um, but in that whole thing, you got the sense that she got off pretty light. She, she, like, she was not 100%, 100% in, in, uh, innocent based on, on what was out there. Um, and you would think if you got... If you dodged a bullet like that, if you were facing a trial, you were facing some, uh, you know, potential uh, legal troubles. How do you a week later put yourself in a situation like like she did? I mean, I I, I just think it's unbelievable that she would do that and just dumb on so many levels. Um, and it, it's just crazy. I mean, look, man, I've been in L.A. I go to L.A. a lot. They have Uber in L.A. They have Uber there. Call Uber. Why are you drunk driving allegedly? <coughs> why why is your husband drunk driving allegedly in a in a van he's not even uh, authorized to drive in? When you ha- you guys have money, call Uber. Go to the iTunes store 
download the app, Uber, Lyft, whatever, whatever app you want to use, call a cab. It's just unbelievable. A week. It was a week. It was literally a week that the, the case was, the case was dismissed. And, and you know what? If anything, it just shows like just, just the cluelessness. And if I'm, if I'm U.S. soccer, if I'm, uh, you know, the U.S. the U.S. women's national team coach, I'm not dealing with it anymore. I don't want her anywhere near my team until the World Cup camp, if I'm going to have her back at all. Because, what, like, what's 30 days going to do? 30, she's going to miss two games. 30 games is a slap on the wrist. Well, she's, had, she's had too many of those already. Well, that's why I find it funny that, that people are saying, you know, she's, she's you know, unfairly targeted here or, or she's, you know, she didn't really break the law. Her husband was driving the van. I, I mean, dude, put yourself in that situation. If, you're, if your friend or your significant other was driving your work van – and they got pulled over and, and they got arrested. I mean, you're going to get an earful from your boss the next day, even if you weren't driving that van. And usually, Ivis, where there's smoke, there's fire. And, and it just it amazes me that some people are sitting here being like, oh, well, she's doing nothing wrong. It's, it's a continual pattern of incidents where she's been involved with something that doesn't look good for public relation reasons. It's just, it's just bad judgment over and over and over. I mean, failed drug tests, uh, just her not, you know, being a poor sport it just it just it, she just is not a classy individual i mean that's what it, i mean and she's not she doesn't seem that bright I mean, to be she's an amazing player and a, a, a you know one of the best goalkeepers if not the best goalkeeper in the world for the women's game um but then man she just keeps putting herself in these positions so we'll see what happens we'll see if it's just going to stay 30 days or or if it's going to go beyond that but listen i'll tell you what if it is going to just stay 30 days and if she does something again U.S. soccer will have only itself to blame for not sending a stronger message the last time around. I mean, think about it. U.S. soccer and the U.S. women's national team stood by solo through the whole that whole situation with with, with the accusation, uh, the, the 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 charges against her for allegedly assaulting her sister and her nephew. They stood by her, and they faced a serious serious level of criticism mm-hmm. uh, from mainstream media. Uh, because of you know when, when you the whole when domestic domestic violence was a hot topic in sports at the time with the Ray Rice situation, and they stood by her. They stood by her even at the cost of uh, of bad PR. They stood by her. And what does she do a week later? But just get into this unbelievable situation. She could where uh, again allegedly it was reported that she could have very easily been arrested, and the police went out of their way not to arrest her. Even though she was acting, acting, you know, irrationally or acting a little out of line, so I, I'm, I'm, I don't know, man. I, I think 30 days is a slap on the wrist, and it could come back to haunt them if she makes another mistake in between now and the World Cup. And before we wrap up the show, we're doing the SBI Q and A. You can always submit your questions on Twitter using hashtag Ask the SBI Show. First question comes from Stephen Willis. Do you think? NASL will still be around in 15 years. Major League Soccer takes their best, and USL Pro absorbs the rest. MLS D League? Question mark. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I don't. No, I don't see the NASL going anywhere. I think NASL is a is a grow. It's a it's a healthy league. It has a, a good ownership base, and it has new investors coming in. I don't think the league's going anywhere, and I don't. I think as much as uh, MLS would love for NASL to go away, and as much as MLS would love for USL to <clears throat> to just you know eliminate NASL and become the new second division and uh, kind of make NASL obsolete, I don't see that happening. I think NASL has enough enough 
uh, strong teams, strong owners, ownership groups, and more markets wanting to join, that I think it's gonna. I think it's still gonna be a part of this whole thing. I don't. I don't think it's going anywhere. Uh, Brad and KC asks with Claudio Bieler gone, what do you see Sporting Kansas City doing to fill that DP spot? That's an interesting one. You know, I mean, I think a midfielder would be would, would help. Um, I think they've done a good job of, with the additions that they've they've made. Bringing Roger Espinosa back is big. The goalkeeper they added uh, was a good addition as well, and they they did add a, a, a Hungarian forward who's supposed to be pretty good. So I, I think a midfielder maybe w- w- would help. Uh, maybe a winger, maybe a speedy winger, uh, a DP caliber type winger would would, would help them. So uh, or maybe a defender. Maybe they they could add a defender. Uh, when you look at the center back situation there, I mean I think maybe that's something to look at as well. So I think but I think winger though I think that. Uh, winger or central player, I think would help them. Next question comes from Bologna with three relatively under the radar DP signings. How will the Chicago Fire fare this year? Uh, we kind of touched on it a little earlier, but I, I mean, I'll say it. You know, I think with with Maloney, Akam, Joven Jones, um, and and Kennedy. I don't have the name in front of me, but I'll just call him Kennedy. The uh, the other forward that they added. Uh, they've got some nice pieces there. So in the Eastern Conference, which is much weaker than the Western Conference, uh, when you talk about six teams in the East, right? You have a. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll touch on, on on who I have my top six as of right this minute. But I think they, if if Yao can get those pieces together, they can absolutely make the playoffs. Next question comes from Raul: Are all MLS teams maxed out on their salary cap, or are there teams who don't hardly spend? Well, I don't. I don't know if any teams uh, are like way under on the cap. I think most teams spend their money because I mean you have to, right? And you have you can't in order to compete. You got. I mean you have to. Um, you have to fill your cap. Um, I do think there's some teams who have have left some wiggle room uh, in order to make some signings in the summer. Uh, I think you always have that. I don't think you have a case where the team, the teams, uh, the league's teams are are all maxed out on opening day. I don't think that's ever the case. Um, and then you look at just the history, history of the league, recent history of the league. There's always some 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 value in the summer, uh, and you want to have that flexibility. So um, no, I don't think there's any teams that are like way under the cap and then never spending that money because I don't really think there's the benefit. I don't really think that benefits teams enough uh, at, for what you give up and what that how that can hurt you as a team, competing team. Uh, I really don't think that it's worth it for anybody to do that. Next question comes from Anthony Longo. What happened to AJ Soares? Spoke to some Hellas fans, and they haven't heard of him. <laughs> well, he hasn't started playing for them yet. Uh, from the, I, I last I heard on this was about a week ago um, that he is uh, he is supposed to be signing with them, and that he, he had, that deal is supposed to go down. Uh, I think Hellas was waiting to move another player to to, to slide him in, and there, there was a delay in that. Uh, I know there were some reports uh, a couple weeks back the, claiming that the deal had fallen through or that it's not going to happen at all. Uh, my, my sources tell me that that's not the case, that, that it's supposed to still happen. But it's Europe. You never know. You never know when it comes to these kind of contract situations. So we'll see. Uh, your boy, Tyler ECU, asks, there are rumors of Matt Miazga moved to uh, Red Bull Leipzig. How much would this affect New York Red Bulls ahead of the 2015 season? Yeah, you know, I kind of saw some of that chatter on Twitter uh, tonight, on Sunday night. And, I mean, basically what we know is Miaska went straight from uh, U-20 qualifying to Qatar, uh, where Red Bull Leipzig is there for preseason. So, uh, Or they're there for their winter 
winter break uh, training camp before they start back up. And, um, you know, there's already the kind of, I mean, I guess there's reports claiming that uh, there's a deal already in place and that he's going to join Leipzig and, and, and you know, uh, contingent on a, on a, on a trial. Um, now, here's my thing on this, right? Miaska is not r- ready to play as a regular starter, right? So if he's not ready to play, be, uh, play as a regular starter, why would you move him now, right? I mean, what, like, it makes for me, it makes no sense because uh, I, I think, you know, I know Red Bulls fans are like, oh, how are you going to get rid of Miaska? Like, I don't think Miaska would start for the Red Bulls this year. I don't think he's there yet. I think he still has quite a bit of, of room to develop. I mean, if anything, I mean, I would pencil him in as a starter on, on, the, on their USL team right now or you know at best he's your third center back you need to go get another center back um to start i mean i mean ibrahim segaya i don't think he has signed yet but i mean all signs point to him probably signing if you have him and armando i mean that's two veterans i mean it's not a great tandem you want to go get one more miask is not your guy he's not there yet i mean i know he did okay in the 20s uh i mean but the the caliber of talent in that tournament <clears throat> that they faced wasn't all that great. So I don't know if, if anyone should look at the fact that they had all these shutouts and, and, and use it to, to paint a picture of Miaska being ready to be a starter on the top level. Like, I, I don't see it yet. I, don't, I think he needs another year under his belt. And I think, uh, if anything, having him play a full season in the, in the USL Pro would, would help his evolution. I mean, he's a, he's a teenager. He's, 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 a, you know, he's still young. Um, so that's for that reason. I just don't see how uh, having him go to, to – uh, you know, Leipzig, uh, to join Leipzig on a transfer, like what would be the point of that? I think that'd be a pretty dumb move um, on, on all parties because I think he's where he should be. And um, so I, I wouldn't put too much into that. I, I wouldn't expect that to happen, to be honest with you. Final question comes from Cody Weber. If you had to pick the top six teams in the East and West right now, what would they be and in what order? Whew. Well, it's January, right? I'll, I'll, I'll preface it with that. Don't make, just, don't make excuses. Come on, man. I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying, like, it's kind of dumb and pointless to, to try to measure the teams now because, I mean, there's still signings that are being made. Uh, and and you, need, you need to really kind of see how these pieces all fit, see how they look in preseason, and then you really get to get a sense. But based on what we know now, um, if, I mean, I'll, I'll, throw, I'll, throw some, I'll throw some together right now. Let's see. Western Conference. All right. Uh, number one, I'm going to go – Seattle, L.A., Kansas City, uh, Portland, um, FC Dallas, and Vancouver. That's six, right? Uh, yes. No, Actually, one, two. Is that six? Six, yes. You know what? I'm sorry. I'll go RSL over Vancouver. So I'll okay. go RSL six. Okay, I I think RSL is going to take a step back, but I don't know if I'm ready to take them out of the playoffs. I think they still have, I mean, you still have Beckerman, Ramondo, uh, you know, Sabario. You got Olave back, Schuler. I, I still think they have enough to be a playoff team. And in the and then all right, so that's the West, Eastern Conference. Uh, and that one, I mean, the Red Bulls are such a work in progress right now. It's hard to say. Um, I will go. Uh, no way. Uh, hmm. That's a tough one. Orlando City. Settle down. Columbus. Oh. New England. DC. Oh. Uh, Toronto. 
Although I could flip flop those, but I'll for now I'll say Toronto four. <clears throat> um, man, I'm already blanking. Montreal. Uh, uh no. Um, Philadelphia. Chicago. Chicago. I'll go Chicago five. And um, NYCFC. Uh, they they still have pieces to add. I'll go Red Bull six. For now. But again, it's January. February could be a whole other thing. Um, it's also weird looking at the standings. I'm looking <laughs> at the standings. It's weird to see six teams above the uh, the red line. Just, just doesn't look right, Ivis. Well, what about the, how about Sporting KC being in the West and Houston being in the West? It's a little weird. That, that I, mean, I think that I think once yeah, it's just it's weird too. I mean, Houston was in the West before, so that's not true. Bad. Yeah, they're going back. Yeah, right. but it's yeah. <laughs> it's going to be interesting, man. Still, There's going to be some tough. I mean, it's funny because I, I remember at the time when when we first heard about the possibility of the playoffs being expanded to 12 teams, uh, we were looking at it and saying, "Oh," and, and I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't a fan of it either. But looking at the way things are going to shake out, I mean, you're going to have some really tough battles for those last playoff spots, um, and obviously, you're going to have eight teams not make it. Um, it's going to be there's going to be some interesting battles. I think you're going to have you I mean and it happens every year. You're going to have one or two teams not make the playoffs that most of us would have pegged to make the playoffs. I think in the East uh the Red Bulls could absolutely be that team and uh in the West I think RSL could be a team that really slides out of the picture. I think they absolutely could be. They're an older team. They have a lot of ta- they they still have that core, right? Mm-hmm. Still have that nucleus, but they're an older team now. They're an older team um and the quite and the, they don't have the depth they used to have. When I mean, you lose a Grabovoy, um, Borchers, Winger, Salcedo, uh, you start. <clears throat> the more pieces like that you lose, uh, you lose depth. You don't. They don't have the depth they used to have. And I know they went and got Olave. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. They'll, but, they'll yeah, be. But, they'll be fine. Take it easy. Hey, the West is tough, man. Sporting Kansas City moving to the West is huge, man, because because I think for me, KC, uh, I think I really like what they've done with their roster, and I think they're going to bounce back, I think, in a big way. I think they're going to bounce back. I think Portland, obviously, I, I, see, I mean, I had put them, I think I put fourth. I think they're going to bounce back in a big way. Um, you know, I think FC Dallas will do okay, but, I, you know, I, don't, I think they'll maybe take a little step back. I'm not sold on Vancouver, obviously. I don't have them in. But they if RSL slips, then I think Vancouver – could be that team that moves up. Well, we still got over a month before the season starts, so a lot will change. Ivis injuries, new players coming over, maybe some trades. You never know. A lot will change in a month. Uh, a lot of change in a week, man. I tell you, that's what, also I, true. I mean, I'll, you could see a blockbuster go down this week. Oh yeah, what are you, what are you hearing? Uh, I'm just saying. Nah, what, do you, what are you hearing? Come on. I I don't know anything. I'm just saying. Oh yeah, of course. You could, you could still see. Tra- you could see a, a, a blockbuster trade. You could see multiplayer uh, trade. I'm just I I'm, I'm in general. <laughs> I'm not speaking as if I know of a specific trade going mm-hmm. down. I'm just saying you could see. You could still see a blockbuster multiplayer trade that that will leave a lot of fans up in arms. I'm just saying in general. All right. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice little tease. Ah. Uh, with that, Ivis, I'll let you go, man. So we'll, we'll do a show Tuesday night to preview the U.S. Men's National Team. Okay, that, that's the plan, right? That's the goal. If I'm not, and I, if I'm not like completely out of commission because I've been sick for about four days, I got this sore throat thing going on, and it, 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 it's funny because it's during the day, it's okay, and then at night, every night, 
like it, it gets sore. And and after my whole my whole CBA rant in the first thirty of the show, I've been in serious pain now. So hopefully it goes away in the next couple of days. I'll, I'll I'll send good vibes your way, Ivis. Uh, yeah, I'm getting old, man. I don't know if I can handle shows that are longer than an hour. I don't know if I can do it anymore. I, I, I'm okay with doing shows under an hour. <laughs> we'll see, man. There's just so much to talk about, man. There's just so much, you know, soccer news. Yeah. Well, if our schedules fit a little better, we could do more shows, but that's proving very tough to do. Mm. Hopefully, we'll hopefully things change. Hopefully things change. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. All right, Addis. Um, you get better, and I'll talk to you later this week, all right? Yes, sir. Is everyone, and as always, excuse me, thank you for listening to the SBI show. Thank you for the views, the comments. That is Ivan Skolarsev. I am Garrett Cleverly. This is the SBI show.